Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of a Light Into My Path podcast. I am your host, Howard Sides, and today we're going to continue our study through the book of Revelation. We are in chapter 21, and we're in the uh, sixth section, I guess guess that's the best way to call it, Um, uh, breaking the chapter down. We're still talking about what John uh, sees. John's describing what he sees in verses 9 through uh, 21, and and then also including verse 26. And then the second section will be where John describes what he does not see. In this first section, uh, we've seen, um, of course, he's talking about the city. The first section uh, talks about its its showing. Uh, The second is its sight. The third is its source. The fourth is its splendor. The fifth, which we just completed, is its structure. And so here, number six is its size, talking about the size of the city. And uh, this is covered in verses 15 through 17. So we will read those verses today, and uh, we'll see how far we get. We'll see how much of this we can cover in today's podcast. All right, so we're in Revelation chapter 21, verse 15. It says, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, an hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. Okay, so it's talking about the size here. Uh, The first thing within the size is we're going to see the city, and then uh, it talks about the walls. So we're first of all going to talk about the city, and then more specifically the walls. So uh, the very first uh, uh, verse 15 uh, he says, and he that talked with me. Now, he uses this he pronoun in referencing the vile angel that John intro- introduced to us back in verse number nine. Now, notice the different occasions as well as individuals used for measurements in the Bible. Uh, first of all, there is a man mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 40 and verse 3, he says, And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand, and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. Uh, The second uh, individual was John himself in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. And then the third one is, of course, uh, we just mentioned it here in verse 9. This vile angel, one of the seven vials, an angel of one of the seven vials. Uh, Verse 9, it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues. And, And it talks about he measures... Uh, he has the golden reed to measure with. All right, so uh, the next phrase here, it says he had a golden reed. A golden reed. And we're going to mention these two words, golden and reed. Now, golden, of course, gold, represents the deity of God. 
the deity of God. Uh, the use of gold in this measuring reed indicates that there is no human error involved, or I should say allowed. Uh, it's symbolic that it's not allowed. Uh, what God measures, uh, he puts aside for himself, and there's no changing that, modifying it, reconstructing it, any of that. Uh, now, the second word here uh, is the word reed. Now, according to Jewish custom, the standard for a measuring reed was about 10 feet long. About 10 feet long. And and listen, there's, there's different measuring reeds and rods and things like that. But th this is just from what I've read and studied. Uh, we'll say 10 feet. Uh, Revelation 11 one says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Now note that in Revelation 11, the city was measured by a human and here by an angel. Matthew Poole, in his commentary, suggests this represents the elevation of the state of the church from the present to the future, a promotion, basically, in spirituality. Uh, J. Hampton Keithley in his commentary, asked the question, why is this city measured? He then suggests that, and I quote, God is infinite and without limits or measurements, but man, even with his glorified body, is still but a creature, absolutely not God, and therefore limited. As such, this demonstrates the glory and holiness of God, end quote. Now, he then offers the reference, Ezekiel 43, 12, uh, which says, this is the law of the house upon the top of the mountain. The whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. Now that phrase most holy reminds me of the uh, construction of the tabernacle. And when God gave him, God gave Moses the instructions uh, to build that tabernacle, he told him there would be two rooms, two chambers, if you will. Uh, one was the holy place, which was uh, what you came into, first of all, when you come through the door of the tabernacle structure, you came into the holy place. And then the second place, which uh, no one ever entered except the high priest, and he was only allowed to enter one time a year on the Day of Atonement, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> And, and it was a place that was called most holy. So that's that it, it's referencing here this most holy uh, when he says that in that verse, uh, the whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy at the top of this mountain. Um, it kind of lends the fact that this whole entire city is going to be like the holy of holies. Uh, there's not going to be a holy place. There's not going to be a need for a holy place. Uh, it's just going to be straight direct access to the Holy of Holies, that's that's the, the picture that's being drawn here. Uh, the next phrase in verse 15 says, To measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. So what is the significance of this act of measuring things? Uh, we see it in, in several different places. And we talked a minute ago about the different uh, uh, people uh, or individuals used to measure things. There's a man in Ezekiel. There's a John in uh, a John. <laughs> the Apostle John, excuse me, Revelation 11, and then this vile angel. So what, what is the significance of this act of measuring things? Now, back in Ezekiel chapters 40 to 48, there is the 
uh, description of the millennial temple. This will be the religious structure, and I use the term religious loosely there because we know religion basically means man's attempt to reach God on his own terms, man's terms. But I'm just saying it's it's the uh, worship center. Okay, how about that? Uh, the millennial temple in, in the millennial reign. Uh, and this will be the temple that will exist during Christ's thousand-year reign. In Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 3, we see God sends a man to measure the city. Um, now, in Revelation 11, we are told about the, uh, no, well, I say city, and I, I actually mean the uh, temple. I don't, I don't think that's right. I think it's the temple. Yeah, pretty sure. But, uh, okay. Then in Revelation 11, we are told about the tribulation temple. So here's the second structure, tribulation temple. Now, this is the temple that will exist during the tribulation period. Now, you know what I find ironic about this, okay, is um, now, now we know that uh, Christians during the early days of the church age uh, were heavily persecuted. And uh, most of that was by the... Uh, Roman government system that was in place at the time. Not strictly just the Romans. The uh, Spaniards had their own Inquisition period, and then there's I think there's a couple others. Fox's Book of Martyrs talks about that. But I, I find it strange that when we reach this point of the tri tribulation period, um, the church is not going to be here. Um, but yet there's still a push to be religious. <laughs> I mean, you see what I'm saying? I mean, the Antichrist is going to be busy. Satan's going to be busy. Uh, the false prophet's going to be busy. Yes, there will be uh, a one-world religion system. We've, we've talked about that quite a bit, uh, set up in this tribulation period. But, but here's this tribulation temple. And, of course, the um, Jews are, uh, at some point at least, going to be allowed uh, to worship in this temple. I, I find that amazing just because of the anti, especially in the last few months, this anti-Jewish rhetoric going on uh, since the attacks in, what was that, the, uh, in October? Uh, it's surprising. Uh, but I know I know the world's view is going to be like that, uh, where they're going to turn against the, the, the Jews right up at the very end. I, I, that's just the way... God's going to have this thing set up, but it's just amazing to me. So again, there's this tribulation chamber. And then in our uh, own description here in verse 15, we read uh, that an angel measures the entire city. So there's a measurement of the millennial temple, then the tribulation temple, and now here he's measuring a whole city. Now the significance and the meaning behind this is that these places are measured because they belong to God. In other words, God is measuring out what is his. Uh, now, Tony Garland or Anthony Garland, if you want to look him up that way, uh, also points out that whenever uh, God instructs or has someone measure a city or a place, this indicates and is symbolic of God's attention being directed toward this place for enlargement or restoration. This is based on the measuring of Jerusalem. Uh, which was also measured in Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Uh, now there it says, I lifted up mine eyes again and looked, 
And behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem to see what is the breadth thereof and what is the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. Okay. Now, in Revelation 11, uh, verse 2, the outer courts of the tribulation temple are never measured, indicating that they are given up to a uh, to secular desecration. But here in verse 15, the entire city is being measured, which implies the absolute consecration of every single part brought up to the exact standard of God's requirements. Okay, nothing, nothing's left out. Uh, 11 verses 1 through 2, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. Therein, remember? But, verse 2, But the court, which is without the temple, on the outside of the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months. you know how long forty-two months is? We've already talked about this. Three and a half years. That's the split of the tribulation period. Now, it is worth noting that James Burton Kaufman points out that although the gates are mentioned as going to be measured, their dimensions are never given. And that is strange. It does point out the gates are going or mentioned as going to be measured but their dimensions are never given and and i at, right off the top of my head what that means is that god knows how big they are and it's not important for us to know how big they are only that they're always open <laughs> maybe that's what it is okay now continuing on uh let's start with verse 16 it says and the city lieth four square four square now four square is the greek word tetragonos Tetragonos. And of course, that's two, two words there. Uh, the first word is tesaurus, meaning four, and gonia, meaning an angle or a corner or a quarter. So tetragonos basically means four-cornered, um, which gives us this picture of something that is square. That's why we call something four-cornered. Uh, now, Adam Clark, in his commentary, he said, and I quote, the quadrangular Form intimates its perfection and stability. For the square figure was a figure of perfection among the Greeks. End quote. Uh, James Burton Kaufman points out that both Plato and Aristotle both refer to the fact that in Greece a good man was called four square. <laughs> How about that? Uh, now I know there's some people that. Uh, uh, at one time, they were called square, and that wasn't always a good thing, you know, they're being square. Uh, like today, when they say that some people are too narrow-minded, that's that's what that's a reference to. Now, uh, I don't, don't think bad of me here, but saying Huey Lewis, you know, he's got that song, it's hip to be square. So there you go. Uh, but it, he goes on, and he says uh, uh, that, that he suggests that the measurements talk about the bigness of heaven. Uh, then with all of this together, we see the symmetry, the perfection, and the completeness of God's eternal designs. Uh, when God designs something, uh, he doesn't forget anything. He doesn't leave anything out. It is perfection. 
It, it is perfection. Uh, William Hendrickson adds, and I quote, 12,000 uh, is the product of three for the Trinity times four, number for the universe, times 10 times 10 times 10 for reduplicated ultimate completeness and perfection. Hence, this number expresses the complete and perfect result of the saving power of the triune God operating in the universe, end quote. Pretty good combination of numerology there. Uh, now, the next phrase here, uh, and the length is as large as the breadth. Now, basically what this is saying is that the sides are equal in length to the front and back, uh, a perfect square. Uh, the next phrase says, and he measured the city with the reed. Uh, that this angel was used indicates no room for human error. This was a perfect measurement of a perfect city for a perfect God. Okay. Uh, now let's see. Um, the next phrase uh, is 12,000 furlongs. 12,000 furlongs. Uh, and you're like, well, okay, well, how long is that? Okay, well, let's put it in today's terms and it'll give you a clearer understanding. That's 1,500 miles. And you're like, okay, do you understand how long 15 or how wide or how high 15? That's 1,500 miles, miles, mind you, 1,500 miles. Now, let's make a comparison to this so you kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. This measurement of 12,000 furlongs is 8.4 times the size of Texas. That's basically eight and a half Texas is all put together. That means that this city is bigger than Australia or Europe. Uh, if one end was placed at the Atlantic Ocean, the other end would sit near Denver, Colorado. If the northern side sat on the Canadian border, eh? <laughs> the other side would sit near Miami, Florida. Uh, this is the measurement from Dallas, Texas. Uh, to Los Angeles or to Philadelphia, which is just about 1,500 miles. The highest uh, skyscraper uh, currently in the world, because you know they're always going bigger and better, right? The highest skyscraper currently in the world is the Burj, that's B-U-R-J, Khalifa in Dubai, uh, which is 2,715 feet. Our satellites in space orbit the Earth at only 300 to 600 miles above the surface of the earth. <laughs> okay, think about that a minute. The, our satellites in space, they orbit the earth in a range from three to 600 miles. Three to 600 miles. This city is gonna be 1,500 miles high. That's three times longer than that or higher than that. <laughs> uh, this also represents an area as large as the known world of the first century from Palestine all the way to Spain. Okay, so that's comprehension. Uh, now let's look at comparison. And let's see, I'm gonna highlight that because I... Okay, comprehension. Uh, the size of 1,500 miles long and wide is only half of what is meant here. It is also 1,500 miles high as well. Let's not forget that. Now, if we break this down to one-tenth of a mile per level, that would be 15,000 levels, 
with a living floor space. Okay, you ready? You ready for this? Now this is breaking it down. All right. Remember, we're taking fifteen hundred miles, and we're breaking this down to one tenth of a mile per level. Okay, so the height of one tenth of a mile. That's still a long way. Uh, so you're talking about fifteen levels that that tall. This would equal a living floor space of thirty-three and three-quarter billion square miles. That's bigger than the size of our Earth. Bigger than the size of our Earth. Now, skeptics find these measurements hard to believe, uh, but this is no harder to believe than new heavens and a new Earth, right? Um, God can create whatever he wants. Now, our skepticism is based on our present reality, which is nothing compared to the future events that will unfold. And, and again, remember, uh, John is describing things uh, uh, that are in the realm of a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And so God could have created this stuff out of something completely new and John's only scribe. So, you, okay. And remember, this is future stuff. We're trying to wrap our mind around understanding this based on what we understand of this world. Now, you may ask the question, is 1,500 miles cubed large enough for all of us? Now, consider what Henry Morris said. And I quote, This kind of geometry makes it easier to understand how all the redeemed of all the ages could be living in a single city. Although there's no way to know precisely how many people will be there, one can make at least a somewhat accurate guess. It can be calculated that the total number of people who have lived between Adam's time and our time is about 40 billion people. Then assuming that a similar number will be born during the millennium because of the conditions and allowing another 20 billion who died before or soon after death and never really populated the earth, it is reasonable that about 100 billion men, women, and children could have been members of the human race, past, present, and future. Now, assume for the sake of argument that 20% of these will be saved, including all of those who die in infancy. It's obviously only a guess, but the Lord Jesus did make it plain that the large majority will never be saved, right? If this figure is used, then the New Jerusalem would have to accommodate 20 billion residents. Also assume that 25% of the city is used for the dwelling places of the inhabitants, with the rest allocated to streets, parks, public buildings, etc. End quote. Now, again, he's trying to come up with some kind of mathematical uh, a comp computation of how many people will be there uh, and all of this. And I will say that at the end of his thing where he says the rest is allocated to streets, plural, uh, we're going to talk about this later. Uh, there's only one street that's ever mentioned, uh, not multiple streets. Some think it still represents multiple seats. But it, anyway, we'll get to that later. But again, Mr. Morris, uh, who is a scientist, so I can understand his uh, approach from that point of view, uh, he goes on to calculate that the average space assigned to each person would be over 30 cubic miles. This would equal about 75 acres on each face. Now, I don't know what each face means, but I guess he's meaning uh, basically you'd have enough room to run, run around uh, if you need it, okay? Uh, it, it's not going to be tight. 
Uh, I can promise you that. Okay, uh, the next part of verse uh, 16 here, it says, The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So the equal dimensions of this city recall the Holy of Holies in the temple uh, where the Ark of the Covenant resided, which was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high. And you say, where do you find that at? That's in 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. And the oracle he prepared in the house within to set there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And the oracle in the fore part was 20 cubits in length and 20 cubits in breadth and 20 cubits in the height thereof, or height thereof. So the entire New Jerusalem will be the eternal Holy of Holies. Uh, and even in the end of the chapter here, Revelation 21, verse 22, uh, it's not quite the end, but closer to the end than we are right now, I guess. Uh, it says, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Okay, we got about five minutes left, so uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't have enough time to get into the next point, which will be the walls in verse 17. So we'll pick up at that point uh, in the next podcast. All right, so let me thank you for listening. Uh, once again, I ask you to pray for me, pray for the podcast and pray for uh, some of the new listeners. I've, I noticed a, uh, an increase in some of the countries that are listening. So at least some people are uh, in some new countries have been listening. I want to welcome you. And I certainly hope you uh, are encouraged by this to learn the Bible, learn to study your Bible. Uh, and that's what we're here for, to learn together. That's what it's all about. It's not what I think. It's not about what you think. Uh, basically, it comes down to what thus saith the Lord. That, that's what it's all about. And so we try to study it based on that process. Okay, uh, so uh, again, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day, and uh, God bless you.